I realize I've been telling too many stories about my senior in my homilies, and so not always flattering stories, so I think I gotta take a break this weekend. Um, when I was little, my brothers and I would spend a lot of time at one of our family friend's house. Uh, that was our friends Tom, Lisa, and their two daughters. And sometimes we'd often spend the night there too. On their property was this old abandoned barn. And I can remember to this day the ghost stories that Tom would tell us about it. The stories about how the barn was haunted by a ghost named Indian Joe. Indian Joe was a legend in the area, Tom told us, and he was known to scalp trespassers on his land. Uh, eventually his notoriety spread and the settlers decided that something had to be done. And so a group of cross vigilantes gathered uh, and captured him and hung him in that barn, the very barn where he used to keep his horses. This very, and also that very barn that resided on Tom's land. And Tom told us now that the ghost of Indian Joe haunts it today. And that if you were really careful and you listened very closely at night, you could hear the neighing of horses, and sometimes you might hear the blood-curdling cry of old Indian Joe, ready to rise from the grave and add another scalp to his collection. Unfortunately, I fear that I cannot kind of do the same justice that Tom would do those stories, uh, but let's just say that when he told the stories, they scared the living daylights out of me. And, um, I mean, after all, I was only in first or second grade when he told us these stories, so of course they're gonna scare me. But um, nonetheless, even though as scared as I was, or me and my brothers, and hearing these stories, it wasn't enough to keep us uh, from trying to explore and check out the stories for ourselves late one night. So one night, when me and my brothers were spending uh, the night there, we decided to check out the barn. And I remember as we approached it, uh, just my heart thumping as we got closer and closer. And I'm pretty sure I asked, we should probably turn back at least a number of times, but just, you know, how I was with brothers, we fortified each other and we pressed on and eventually we got to the barn. And I just remember kind of peering into the barn and seeing some, you know, empty, eerie, rundown horse stalls. And then all of a sudden there was a loud cry and we bolted as fast as we could through the forest and back to the house. Later, I realized that Tom had followed us as we walked to the barn, and he was the one who uttered out that huge cry, the war cry. So it's, it's probably not hard to believe, but that night I had nightmares, and uh, you know we were at the, at the house, at our, at our family friend's house, and I remember waking up and crying out, and Tom coming into me in my brother's room, asking what was the matter, and I told him about my nightmare, and without hesitation, he said he knew the exact thing that could help. He said, I can shake out the bad dreams. Would you like me to do that? And I nodded. And before I knew it, he had picked me up by my ankles and he began to just shake me. And I started laughing, you know, it was, it was fun. You know, it was absolutely fun. And I absolutely forgot all about my nightmares. And, um, you know, my brothers saw the commotion too. And they said, oh, we have nightmares too. And so, you know, two or three turns later, we were all laughing and uh, we went back to bed without any problems. So when I was growing up, I used to believe uh, that the ghost of Indian Joe was real. However, now I know that it's just a fictitious tale spun by our family friend Tom in order to scare others. And yet, 
I still continue to put too much stock in other illusions, half-truths, and lies, whether it's an incorrect, an incorrect image of myself, or false judgments about others or the world, or imagining things uh, the way I want them to be and not as they really are. The reality is that in the busyness of our daily lives, we often get lost in the woods of doing our work, of taking care of our kids, distracting ourselves with entertainment, of getting caught up in this task or that task, and we can lose sight of the forest. We can lose sight of what this life is really about. And often, just buy into or settle uh, with a cheaper and ultimately less fulfilling conception of the world. Today's gospel tells us that we need to climb up a sycamore tree in order to peer out of the woods, in order to catch a glimpse of Jesus. That is, we need to humbly admit that we are small in stature, perhaps not physically for some of us, but at least emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, to admit the smallness of our own worldview, our perceptions of ourselves and others, and even God. To admit that we don't got it all and that we need help. Sunday Mass is the sycamore tree we need to climb in order to get a better view of Jesus and thus a better view of reality. Mass takes us out of the hustle of the week and allows us to reflect on the bigger things, the bigger picture. It offers us an encounter with Jesus in a very special way. At Mass, we encounter Jesus in the Word that we just read and more especially in the Eucharist where he is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And if, we are an op and, and, and if we are open to that encounter, it can radically transform us, just as it did Zacchaeus. When we have a real encounter with Christ, we want to give him everything, just like Zacchaeus. Because Jesus helps us to see just how trivial some of the things we're caught up in. He convicts us of the more important things of life. He reminds us, for example, in the first reading, that God loves us, and that at every single moment of our lives, he holds us in existence, and that he is patiently waiting for us to turn back to him. And he reminds us in the second reading that he will come again, that although uh, we will not know the exact day or hour, nonetheless, um, he's coming, and we'll see him either by our death or by his second coming, and it's a reminder that he's all that really matters. You know, who cares what car you drive, Jesus doesn't. Who cares, you know, how nice your house is or how good at sports or business you are? Um, because in certain sense, Jesus doesn't. Because the reality is, is that Jesus will judge you by your heart and your generosity and not anything you possess. And that's why Zacchaeus was willing to forfeit more than half his wealth for the poor because it meant nothing to God but everything when given away generously. So my hope is that today, you have a real encounter with our Lord Jesus here at Mass. That he grabs you by your feet and shakes you of your delusions and misconceptions and fills you with joy. So that when he puts you down, you can run into the upcoming week and spread that joy with others.